Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Throughout his word, and that would be specifically concerning the children of Israel, God tells his people that he wanted to bless them. In fact, the New Testament tells us the same thing, that God so loved us that he sent his son to bless us. And that would be Acts chapter 3, verse 26. And the Lord, throughout his word, he is unchanging, requires that those who know, love, and walk with him actually obey him so that he can bring them into, quote, a land flowing with milk and honey, as it is this day. Then answered I and said, so be it, O Lord. This is Jeremiah eleven five. This is just one of many places throughout, especially the Old Testament, but definitely throughout the 66 book canon of scripture where God requires obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The scripture says, he that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. John chapter 2 verse 4. So it's very clear. It couldn't be more clear that God wants to bless his people. He says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your seed may live. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 and 20. So God desires to bring his people to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. Jeremiah 11, 5. This is the repeated, the scriptures are replete with this promise from God that he desires to give us and for us as New Testament believers, a land flowing with milk and honey would refer on the immediate basis to our spiritual life in Christ. We have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's the immediate context. And then the fuller eternal context would be to be with him in eternal glory in the new Jerusalem, ruling and reigning with Christ forevermore. But first and foremost, a flourishing life, an abiding oneness, a relationship with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, is what's represented here in a land flowing with milk and honey. Is that what your spiritual life is right now, friend? Is it a land flowing with milk and honey where others are just fascinated by what God's doing in your life and they want what you got? because you can't get it anywhere else. Money can't buy it. Fame can't buy it. Those just dig you deeper, usually in the wrong direction. But a land of flowing with milk and honey is all about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace 
peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, temperance, etc. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And those things are only going to be born or produced out of a life that's rooted and grounded in Christ with the core of the gospel and the core of your personal life being that which is laid down every day, crying, Lord, you must increase, but I must decrease. Not my will, but thine be done, O God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. The life and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There can be no good fruit produced upward until there's a downward a dissension into the death and burial of Christ. We are crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20, also the book of Romans chapter 6. You've got to be planted together in the death of Christ and burial, and then God will reciprocally every time without hesitation or without fail, raise you upward. How many listening to me? Let me ask you, friend, how many want, do we want God lifting us up, raising us up, being the wind underneath the wings that he provided for us by his grace, his resurrection grace? If you do, you got to go down. The only way up is down in the kingdom of Christ. He is the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So when you truly have saving faith, believe. When you believe on him, you're trusting him. You're obeying and worshiping and adoring and exalting Christ. And the way he's going to be exalted in and through your life is going to be from the raising, the reciprocal resurrection grace, raising you up out of that death and burial posture. This is the gospel, friends, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, and also that same gospel repeating itself every day in our lives. You know how we can know that we're doing good, if you will, in the eyes of God, and that's if we're in a downward motion, if you will. Lord, it's all about you. Lord, I lay my life in your hands right now. Into your hands, I commit my spirit, oh God. I tell you what, the load, the burdens, the shame, every evil thing begins to be vanquished from your life. When that kind of biblical language is flowing from your heart, out of your mouth in prayer to God, and you're going to walk in a spiritual land flowing, with milk and honey. I don't know about you, but I want to be full of the love, joy, and peace of Christ. And that's selfish, it could be, you could say. But the only way that's going to happen, it's not really selfish. It's just coinciding desire with what God has commanded that come to pass and desires to come to pass in your life. Remember, the Apostle Paul said, God's will, stated will, is that all men be saved and come under the knowledge of the truth. Now, if you're listening to me, it's very likely you've already been saved. But God wants you to come to the knowledge of the truth. And at the core of his truth is his cross right in the center of the gospel. It is the central gospel message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ our Lord, the propitiatory atoning death and shedding his blood for the sins of the world, and then 
also his message to you to follow him by laying down your life in death and burial and that he is going to raise you up every time. And you're going to begin to see and sense the teeming life of Christ in your personal life. And you're going to be saying, man, why didn't I get this message revelation a long time ago? Because if you're like me, friend, you've tried to do the Christian life in your own flesh. But remember Galatians 3.3, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Are you serious? How in the world can we think we're going to be made perfect in the flesh after being saved by faith in Christ and sensing the power of his spirit in us as he regenerated us? Wow. See, it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Lord, Titus 3, 5 through 7. Now, Jeremiah 11, as I begin and perhaps could be our foundational passage today, I want you to read that chapter. It'll be something you see throughout scripture where God's telling his people that he wants them. He wants to bless them. He sent his son to bless us. Acts 3.26, Jesus came. God sent his only begotten son to bless you, but you got to do it his way. Those who have a as a mantra or motto that I did it my way, well, they're marching themselves straight into misery and ultimately eternal damnation. Those are rebels. This is as the sin of witchcraft, rebellion. And throughout this chapter, he says, I will not hear you. He tells his people, I will not hear you when you call on me. I will not hear you. I will turn my ear away from you. Is that the place we want to be, shut out from God? Or do we want an open heaven relationship of being able to seek God, to pray, to request of God and have him answer here and answer our prayers? I don't know about you. I'm willing to do anything it takes to get anything cleared out between God and I. I know most of you listening have the same desire. It's like, Lord, we pray right now that you would unite our hearts to fear thy name. And let there be an axe laid to the root of every evil thing in our life that defiles us in your sight and blocks our communication with you. Because, Father, we know that you are holy, 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 and that you cannot commune with anyone who will not allow you to make them holy and who will not conform to the image of Christ and clear away every and anything that does not please you. Let it be, Lord, in Jesus' name. So you and I desire to walk in this land flowing, notice flowing, with milk and honey, we must be conformed to the image of Christ, the crucified image, so that he can raise us up. That would be Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Also, something else comes to mind. Jesus says in John chapter 7, and let's see, verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. What does that mean to come to Jesus? You come to him, as he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I would say to you and myself right now, if things aren't working out it's in our personal lives, if our lives aren't flowing with milk and honey spiritually, it could only be because we haven't come to him and drank partake of, embrace him and all that he said, and be conformed to his holy image. Obey him. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. Obey what he said without question. That's what the fullness of coming unto him and drinking would be. 
verse 38, he continues, And he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. There it is. See, you can be a spring of life, a touch point, if you will, of God's river that flows from his throne, Revelation 22, 1. And you could be one into vessel into which that river flows into and out of a land flowing with milk and honey, all kinds of good fruit. You would be like the guy with all kinds of money in your hands and everybody else is broke around you and you're the one handing out the money. Well, they're all going to be standing in line and gathering around you to get the money, right? Now, I'm just using an analogy. It's not about money. Maybe that wasn't the best analogy because you got so many greedy grubbers out there, gold grubbing devils that are making merchandise of the people. Maybe a better analogy would, or illustration would be you. Everybody else is thirsty. You're in the middle of a desert. You're the only one with a bunch of glasses of cold water and you're handing them out as quick as you can, you know, to everybody around you. Because we live in a dark, dry world, friends. And the darker it gets as we see the return of Christ at hand, the brighter that light is going to shine the light of Christ. And people are going to be wanting what you got. And God's going to use you in a mighty way. I mean, that's how the Lord saved me. I saw something in a couple of three people that I know I didn't have because all I had was a dead religion called the Catholic Church. I didn't know Jesus. Wouldn't have known him if he stood in my face. But I saw things in them that I wanted and every human being wants because God made us to worship him and to be blessed by him. God wants to bless every person that hears this message. His desire is to bless you. But we forfeit those blessings and it's he will not change. He's not going to change what he said. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119, 89. It's fixed forever, the scripture said. These words will never pass away. They will never be diminished. You're either going to meet the condition or you're going to suffer the consequences now and forever. You're going to live a dry, boring life that's full of misery, guilt, and shame. You're going to have just the opposite of a land, a life that looks like a land that's flowing with milk and honey. You're going to have a desolate life, like the heath in the desert, the dry, parched ground. If you don't do things his way. Come to him in full repentance. I'm convinced that so many who believe they're saved never really repented. They didn't even pray when they prayed to get saved that God would forgive them of their sin, of their rebellion, and how they have not sought him, and how they have rebelled against him in all of these different ways. It's a shame. It's a shame that people are being led to a repentance less, you know, altar, an altar that doesn't include repentant, laying down your life flat, admitting you're a wretched, wicked sinner in need of a holy, merciful Savior. So Acts chapter 3, we just quoted out of Acts chapter 3, verse 26, where God says unto you first, God, having raised up his son, Jesus, sent him to bless you. And how does God bless us? Initially, it's in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Do you have sin in your life? If you do, you do not have the blessing of God on your life. You're cursed to the core and you will remain that way. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus, you will not be able to sleep until you turn your life over to him. 
because you go into a devil's hell unless you repent. Jesus said, except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. That's not only initial repentance, that's ongoing repentance as needed. That is an essential. Absolutely. Luke 13, 3, except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. And that also establishes again that God is not going to change his truth, not going to change his condition. You're going to repent. And if no one else ever repented from this moment forward, every one of them would go to hell. They would pay for their own sins for all eternity in the bowels of eternal damnation. Jesus said, except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. Think about it. He's not going to change for you. You're going to change for him or you're going to suffer misery on this earth in eternal misery, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire, having rejected the only sacrifice for your sins, Jesus Christ. And receiving him and being one with him is more than just saying it. You've got to repent and bring forth fruit, meat for, in other words, that proves you've truly repented, Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 through 10. If you don't have a changed life, you hadn't repented. You're not right with God. And you're as sure for eternal damnation as if you were already there. Repent now, sinner, and follow Jesus on his stated terms. And what's going to happen when you repent? Listen to this, Acts 3.19. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of it, all his holy prophets since the world began. Amen. That time is at hand. And when you truly repent, God is going to refresh your life. He's going to pour the water of his blessed, beautiful Holy Spirit all into and through your life. You're not going to be able to contain it. And it's going to flow out to others. You're going to be a land of milk and honey to others. They're going to see it and they're going to want what you got. And God is going to use you. That's how evangelism really works is God working in us. And then and only then can he work through us to where the light of Christ is shining through our lives and others are seeing the Father's good works in you. And they want what you got. Going to church is not going to give you the fruit of the Spirit. Repenting and abiding in Christ is. Galatians 5, I want to encourage you to read that chapter. They did a Christ, verse 24, Galatians 5, 24. This is the crux of the matter, folks. If you're not laying down your life, let me just say this. Nothing begins to happen in your life until you repent afresh. Repent afresh. Hosea 10, 12, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he come and rain righteousness upon you. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. So repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. God wants to forgive all your sins. Done, blotted out, gone as if they never existed. Hallelujah. And then he wants to give you times of refreshment refreshing. I don't know about you, but I don't want that time to go away. I want it always in my life, consistently every day. I'm tired of the inconsistency. I am fed up 
with the intermittency, what about you? Times of refreshing shall come in the presence of the Lord. Why? Because God is going to make his abode in you because you're not just a lip sayer. You're a walker, baby. You walk with Jesus. You love Jesus above all things. You cry out to him every day as you seek his face. When you get up, first thing you're doing is going to God immediately. You're not even half awake. And his praise is flowing from your lips out of your heart. Let's close John 14, 21 through 23. A lot of folks trying to find a way to get God's blessing on their life, but they're not doing it his way. As we've been discussing, repentance, the cross, a real walk of obedience with him because you love him. Therefore, you delight to obey him. You're not earning anything with God. But you love him and therefore you are obeying him. You're telling me you're going to be in a relationship with a man or a woman and not desire to please them? No, your desire, you can't wait to please them. You love them. Your heart pants for them. And how much more with the son of God from heaven? John 14, 21 through 23. He that has my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Oh, baby, check this out. Who is it that loves Jesus? He just told us. Don't tell me you love Jesus and you don't obey him. You got to be kidding me. You're a rebel. He that hath, just as Christ speaketh, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. This is John 14, 21. You should memorize that. And he, there's so many false professors. Paul said they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and unto every good work reprobate. Titus 1, 16. Again, John 14, 21, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is. Oh yeah, him that obeys my word, has my word and obeys it. He it is that loveth me and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. Land of milk and honey right there. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. There you go. That's how Jesus manifests himself. That's the person Jesus manifests himself to. Recently, a lady asked me if I was part of a congregation on Sunday mornings. And I said, no, I'm not. I fellowship with the Lord and his people every day. Most of these churches, and I mean 99%, are absolutely apostate. If you don't see that, you're not in the word of God and you're missing something. I'm sorry to say it. And I believe a lot of people agree with me. Doesn't matter who agrees other than God. I didn't say there weren't a few good ones, but they're very, very few. And they keep getting less and less of a percentage as the day of Christ nears. And that is prophesied. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. It's become nothing more than a business, folks. And by the way, going to some official church building on Sunday morning does not equal biblical fellowship. Let's get a New Testament clue, folks. I don't think we see much of that among the believers in the New Testament church. And I don't think that's essential for every season of your life, you know, to be faithful to go to one place every Sunday morning. The key in God, the, the governing truth in God's word is fellowship. And it's real simple. They gathered together daily and they did four simple things. Acts 2, 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's the word of God. Breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer. Real simple. Now we got all this bureaucracy of these local churches. And they're trying to tiptoe around the tulips not to offend people because they need returned customers to keep the wheels of their circus rolling and the money coming in to pay the mortgage. I'm done with that. 
a lot of other people are done with that. And by the way, you'd be surprised what happens when it's just you, baby. You're standing before God every day and you know you better be seeking his face and you're not compartmentalizing your supposed walk with Christ all into a Sunday morning little meeting. No, you're sinking or swimming every day. And guess what? That puts some fire under your butt and you're seeking his face knowing you're going to fall away, perhaps never to return and to go to hell if you don't seek his face and you're not like a wise virgin believer is full of the heavenly oil, the virtue of God in your spirit every day. Because as Jesus is saying here, you're seeking his commandments, you're obeying his commandments, and you're going to be loved in a special way by the Father. And Jesus is going to manifest himself to you. That's what that verse right there is saying. Going to church on Sunday morning is not fellowship as defined in scripture. In fact, in many ways, what you're going to hear is misleading you. They're teaching once saved, always saved. You got to be kidding me. They're using some fake Bible. What does that tell you about that pastor? He's blind. He's walking in darkness. I don't care how wonderful you think he is or I think he is. I'm going to go with the word. You got to be kidding me. He's using a fake Bible that is an attack on the Lord Jesus Christ he claimed to serve. And he doesn't know that? You got to be kidding me, man. The guy's in the ministry. But who's he ministering for, really? If you're a man of truth, you've found out that those Bibles are fake. They're corruptions of the preserved Word of God, which for the English-speaking people is clearly the King James Bible. We've got a lot of that on the website. You can go in there and specifically, it's not the truth because I said it. When you start comparing the verses, you're going to see that one came from God and all these other ones that changed his word could not possibly have come from God. And anybody participating in that is going to have their name removed from the book of life. Revelation 22, 18 and 19. Because there's a, you're condoning the adding to and removing from the word of God and calling yourself a man of God. Wow, you got to be kidding me. Verse 22, John 14, Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, there were two of the original 12 apostles named Judas. This is not Judas Iscariot, the traitor betrayer of Christ. This is the other one. How is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not to the world? I mean, how is this going to work out, Lord? How are you going to manifest yourself to your disciples and not the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, this is how we know the difference between the world and the disciple of Christ. And there's a lot of worldly counterfeits among us, by the way. If a man love me, uh-oh, how do we know a man loves God? Here it is. He will do what? Keep my words. That doesn't mean you're sinless perfection. But when you do stumble, you're talking to Jesus honestly in repentance and you're calling on him, asking him to forgive you, cleanse you and establish you in his truth and give you his divine enablement, his grace in your heart to change your life and the fruit of your life. If a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him. Notice we and make our abode with him. How many people want Jesus and the Father camping out in your life, in your spirit, in your vessel? There it is right there, folks. That is the land that flows with milk and honey that God desires to bless you with. Ephesians 1, 3, and 4 as we close. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual, not financial blessings, in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Ephesians 1, 4, we are chosen of the Father. Verse 7, we are redeemed by the Son. And verse 13, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Did you see the work of each member of the divine Godhead there in the redemption of mankind? were chosen of the Father, redeemed by the Son, and sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. In other words, God's seal, his stamp is upon you, that he loves you and you're approved of God. And the land of milk and honey and the Holy Spirit and the Father and Son are making their abode in you. You are a bastion of blessings. You are a blessing waiting for a place to happen because the power and the presence of Almighty God in the persons of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are filling it all over your life. God bless you, friends. Thank you for these moments we had together. I encourage you to pass this on to other believers and otherwise, and also pray for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. Thank you so much for it, and God bless you, friends. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you're prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.